Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. This year has gone by incredibly quickly, but it's always nice to pause and take stock. What's something you're proud of in 2024 so far? What's something you still want to accomplish this year? I know I'm guilty of falling into a routine and not always thinking about the bigger picture, but as the great Ferris Bueller once said, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you can miss it. So it's crucial to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you contextualize your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. As you surely know by now, it's not only for people who have experienced major trauma. Therapy is helpful in all kinds of ways, including learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. If you've been considering trying therapy, check out BetterHelp. It's fully online and was specifically designed to be flexible and customizable to your schedule. To get started, just fill out a brief questionnaire that matches you up with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com FilmDaily today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash film daily. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for June 20th, 2018. On today's episode, we'll talk about a lot of breaking TV and film news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Soda, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Weekend Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. And Senior Writer Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? Writer Chris Evangelista. Hello. Okay, guys, we have a lot of late-breaking news and some very interesting stuff to talk about, so let's just dive into it. Uh, Minutes before going on the air, news broke that the future of a Star Wars story spinoff film has been put on hold by Lucasfilm and Disney. Ben, what do we know? Yeah, so Collider has a report that says in the wake of the disappointing box office performance of Solo, a Star Wars story, Lucasfilm has decided to put all of its planned Star Wars spinoff movies on pause, uh, or at least the ones that had the Star Wars story designation. So just to be clear, Ryan Johnson's planned trilogy is still in the works and the um, developed the the series that is in the series of films that are in development from the Game of Thrones creators, uh, David Benioff and D.B. Weiss, are also still in the works. So right now it looks like the Obi-Wan Kenobi standalone movie and the planned Boba Fett film are the two biggest 
um, recipients of this uh, this decision. So um, the report says that uh, basically everyone who was working on the Obi-Wan movie is no longer involved. And they also said that even though James Mangold, the director of Logan, was in early talks to write and direct a Boba Fett film, apparently those talks were taking place before the extent of Solo's box office disappointment were apparent to Disney. So that deal may or may not happen now. Um, we know that the hours director Stephen Daldry was at one point ta- in, in talks to direct the Obi-Wan standalone movie. But since that was never officially confirmed, we don't really know about the extent of his involvement at this point. So, yeah, that's the the basic gist is that all of those movies, including maybe like a Yoda standalone movie, which had been rumored as well, and like a solo sequel and a Lando Calrissian spinoff film. All of those projects are currently on hold from Lucasfilm right now. Now, I, I think this is, you know, not so surprising considering Solo's box office and, and even the critical reception of that film. Do we think that this is the the best course of action? Like, is this the smartest thing that Disney could do is decide to not do these standalone films? I mean, I feel like they need to maybe take a step back and figure out what the best approach is. Obviously, they've had some problems behind the scenes and initially what they have tried to do hasn't been planned perhaps as meticulously and carefully as it could have been so maybe taking a breath and reformulating their strategy and figuring out which stories they really want to tell and which ones fans really want to hear is probably a good idea um but as far as stopping them completely i don't necessarily think that's the right course of action but there obviously needs to be some reworking as to what those movies are going to do and how they're going to function moving forward I think they need to reevaluate what a Star Wars standalone movie should be because it's weird when Kathleen Kennedy was talking to me about this around the release of Force Awakens she was saying that these were going to be films that wouldn't have sequels you know solo Star Wars story obviously builds to a point that you know teases sequels that we'll probably never get um I, I don't think anybody I know and I'm a huge Star Wars fan is excited for these prequel films that concentrate on you know beloved characters we know and uh, care about you know most of the star wars fans i know want to explore different parts of this world get introduced to new characters and i think that's the appeal of star wars for us yeah i totally agree with that and i think you know in the article that i wrote up at slash film i i included a quote from kathleen kennedy from last year when she was talking about how you know they were narratively looking at what they were going to do with the next 10 years of star wars stories and how they were theoretically maybe going to make more movies with Ray, Poe, and Finn and those characters. But she also said that they're looking at people who are interested in coming into the Star Wars world and taking us places we haven't been yet. And I think that last part about places we haven't been yet is is one of those things that they're probably looking at a lot more seriously in the wake of Solo, right? Like, it seems like audiences have rejected the idea of uh, seeing these familiar characters in a story that nobody really wanted to see. So the idea that uh, that we're going to see Ryan Johnson's trilogy, which is going to have all new characters that don't have any connection to anything that we've seen thus far, and the Benioff and Weiss movies, which we're not really sure if those are going to tie in yet. But um, the idea that they're sort of pu- pushing pause on these uh, familiar characters and maybe thinking about expanding creatively outwards is uh, really good news. And um, it speaks to the, the willingness that Lucasfilm has to uh, pivot instead of just, you know, stubbornly committing to something and, you know, going down with the ship if that's what it it takes, you know? Yeah. 
Uh, let's move on to Marvel. Ever since Scarlett Johansson joined the Avengers as Black Widow, uh, fans have been demanding a Black Widow standalone movie. And, uh, you know, Marvel has been hesitant or Disney has been hesitant to give us that. Uh, last month, we heard that they are working on a script. And now we know that they're looking at uh, some female directors. Chris, what do we know? Oh, uh, yeah. So Marvel has a short list of female directors. We don't actually know who's all on the short list, but the one name that's being singled out is an Australian director named Kate Shortland. She directed a film called Berlin Syndrome and another film called Lore. Uh, these are like small indie films that a lot of people haven't seen, but she's the name that seems to be at the top of the list. So don't be surprised if she gets um, she gets the gig. It is good that Marvel is looking towards more female directors. Uh, of course, uh, half the directing team on Captain Marvel is female, or the co-directing team. Uh, yeah, Marvel has had, you know, uh, I guess a spotty track record with uh, their female directors in the past. I mean, Patty Jenkins was supposed to originally direct Thor uh, The Dark World and ended up splitting from that. There was some talks with maybe Ava DuVernay directing Black Panther, and that didn't work out. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see this happen. I think a friend of mine was talking to me about, oh, why do women always have to direct movies that are you know, that, that feature uh, female leads, like why, why is that always what's going on? And that's sort of like the conversation that we had the other day about uh, a female um, composer scoring Captain Marvel, right? And I think the, the conversation is basically the same. Like it, you, I, in a perfect world, women would not only be chosen for these projects, but all projects, but hopefully this will be a stepping stone toward getting to that world. For sure. Uh, let's move on to uh, a movie pass is being introduced or a movie pass like service is being introduced for the stand up world in New York City. Uh, I thought this was interesting. It's not really film or TV related, but I love the fact that kind of like this Netflix subscription of the world is, you know, happening in all these different corners of entertainment. Uh, Brad, what do we know? Yeah, there were seen movie pass shake up the film industry. Uh, it's made a huge impact. You know, um, we've seen theaters try to catch up to adapt, rushing to see if they can figure out something of their own, uh, something we'll talk about a little bit later, obviously. And now we're seeing that the world of stand-up is trying to follow suit and figure out a way to monetize subscriptions for their own use. And this is kind of a niche thing that's only happening in New York through the uh, famous stand-up venue called Stand-Up NY. And they've introduced what is called a Laugh Pass, which is a subscription for stand-up comedy shows. And this is an annual membership. Uh, the price might seem a little steep because it's $99, but that's for the whole year. And that gets you into pretty much every single show that they have at Stand Up New York. And they have a pretty good roster of comedians there. Um, not, mostly because you know, New York is you know, a thriving metropolis full of comedians you know, uh, who are getting stage time all over the place. Um, but this is, you know, a good venue and they have huge shows all the time. And on top of, the, of being able to get into these shows, it also comes with some perks that you usually don't get to take advantage of without paying. Um, so like you're going to get a free drink upon arrival. There's no drink minimum, which is usually common at comedy clubs because that's where they make their money once they get you into the show to see whatever comedian you're looking to see. Uh, you, there's preferred seating. You get advance notice when some of the bigger celebrity comedians come uh, into a show or get added. You get a free ticket to bring somebody with you, so you're not just going to comedy shows by yourself. And there's a, a lot of uh, some other, you know, little bonuses that come with this price. So this is something that's really cool. It's it's not something that 
you know, everyone will be able to get access to. It, it sounds like something that will probably only exist in larger markets, cities like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, if this is something that is successful and starts to spread to places where there are more comedy clubs. But I think this is an interesting way to get more and more people into, you know, comedy clubs. It's um, as somebody who used to actually help run uh, a comedy club nearby uh, here in northwest Indiana. It can be difficult to get people into the door, especially when it's a comedian that isn't super famous, like a Kevin Hart or an Amy Schumer. And something like this, you know, could go a long way, because if you see, you know, even three or four shows in a year, that basically pays for itself as far as far as tickets costs are concerned. And that's not even including, you know, the drink you get and the ticket that you get to bring a friend with you. So it's it seems like it's something cool that I hope kind of starts to spread that people can take advantage of. It's an interesting concept, but right now it's only taking place at one stand-up comedy club right now? Right, yeah. So you don't have, like, a huge choice. And I would also assume for more popular acts, it would probably be harder to get in. And next up in the news, we have finally learned who is going to be buying 21st Century Fox. Ben, you have the details. Yes, uh, a Bloomberg report today says that Fox has accepted Disney's offer for the 21st Century Fox assets, and the number is even higher than we originally anticipated. So yesterday when we talked about this, we talked about how Comcast had put in a higher offer than Disney originally did with $65 billion, but it looks like the winning bid from Disney now is uh, pegged at $71.3 billion, and it it actually also includes Disney taking on about $13 billion of Fox's net debt, which means that the total value of this deal is higher than $85 billion, which is sort of nuts. Uh, But yeah, it looks like Disney is going to come out of this thing victorious. Uh, Do you think Fox is really worth this to Disney? I think so. Um, You know, uh, I think there's been some confusion about what actually Disney gets out of this deal. So just to clarify for people who maybe haven't been following this since the beginning, Disney is going to get 20th Century Fox, the film studio, Fox Searchlight, uh, the TV show or TV networks like FX, FXX, National Geographic and Fox's regional sports networks, plus the majority ownership of Hulu. So that's a pretty significant chunk of, uh, of content opportunities for Disney to exploit. So, um, yeah, I think, I think they're definitely going after this hard, and it, it's definitely something that they're very, very much interested in. We had heard previously that Guillermo del Toro was working on a remake of The Witches, and we now know that Robert Zemeckis is going to direct... Chris, you're at the stuff for the site. What do we know? Yeah, so uh, The Witches is a book by Roald Dahl, who wrote uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and it was turned into a film in 1990 uh, 1990 by Nicholas Rogue. And now Robert Zemeckis is remaking it. Uh, For a while, Guillermo del Toro was going to direct with Alfonso Cuaron producing, but now both del Toro and Cuaron are just producing the film while Zemeckis directs it. And uh, the 1990 film is good and disturbing and filled with gross stuff, but it's also not really uh, true to the book. You know, it's a loose adaptation, so... The thing with this take is that Zemeckis is apparently going to stick closer to the book for his version of the story. Yeah, I was going to say I was a big fan of the book uh, when I was a child. And when I saw that film, while it is a lot of fun, it definitely is not the book. It is interesting because, you know, in recent years, Robert Zemeckis has been so 
enamored by kind of like technology more than filmmaking kind of you know he had this whole deep dive into performance capture movies i i think he's kind of found a happy place where it's kind of like you know a, a hybrid of live action in that um chris do, do you think he's the right person for this like are, are we gonna see tom hanks providing the performance capture for like the little uh mice and stuff or or what <laughs> I don't think he's the right person for this at all. Uh, Robert Zemeckis has a lot of good films in his past, but I think he's, I honestly think he's lost it. I don't think he has the, the directing prowess he once has. I honestly think like his last genuinely good movie was cast away, which was a long time ago. I haven't really liked anything he's made since then. I mean, you know, he, he, he's more enamored with, you know, the tech than the storytelling, which I mean, you know, that may look cool, but I don't, you know, if the story isn't there, uh, who gives a shit? So I don't, I don't think he's the right person for this, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to give it a chance. But talking about looking cool, it's being produced by Guillermo del Toro. So, uh, I have faith that will, you know, have the del Toro touch and be kind of weird and out there. And that kind of excites me, but I I agree. Zemeckis is not, uh, on the list of the top, you know, 30 directors i would want on this project uh but we'll have to see when uh, we see the first uh, images coming out of this let's move on to tv uh yesterday there was news that we might be getting some additional star trek tv series uh chris you wrote this up for the site is patrick stewart's captain picard going to make a return that's the rumor uh alex kurtzman who is now the showrunner on star trek discover he recently he was the executive producer and he recently was bumped up to showrunner after the previous showrunners were fired for basically yelling at the writing staff. Uh, he, he's the new showrunner and he just inked a deal with CBS to spearhead this entire CBS Star Trek universe, if you will, where there's going to be more shows. There's going to be an animated series. And one of the rumored shows is apparently a spinoff that will bring back Patrick Stewart's Captain Picard. Uh, there's no deal in place, but they're, is you know a, a plan to make this happen so that's one of many possible shows there's another show that's going to be focused on starfleet and like i said there's you know an animated one as well you know th- there's a lot of potential in the star trek universe but it, it, it seems i haven't really not to talk, talk to many people who have liked star trek discovery I, gu- I guess there's a lot more potential in star trek i you know, was a fan of Next Generation and uh, the original series and uh, the J.J. Abrams movies. So I'm just I'm just bummed that all of these shows are probably going to be on CBS All Access as well. You know, like they they have to have something there to keep to convince people to keep subscribing to that service. Um, so yeah, it's I don't have any plans to do that, even though I I'm kind of like Star Trek, but that's it's kind of they haven't officially said that, but you I mean come on you know that's gonna happen. Ben, what does CBS All Access have to do to get you as a subscriber? <laughs> um, be free? I don't know. Like it, it's like I just I can't bring myself, and and this is one of those things. It's like. But you like know, if, unless... if they had like 
two active TV series that are running right now that you were interested in, would you subscribe? Yeah, I think it would have to be two. And and it would have to be like my favorite people involved because I, I don't know. I just like, especially with Star Trek Discovery, like you said, not being like not really lighting the Star Trek fandom on fire. Like if the, the hardcore fans aren't crazy about it, then I'm probably not also going to be crazy about it. So I don't know. I, yeah, it would have to be they would have to have like. I don't know, some huge, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan is making some show or some something like that that is like a, a entertainment shaking uh, announcement that can only be seen there for me to uh, to finally decide to subscribe. If David Fincher was making a TV series on CBS, would you subscribe? Uh, yeah, as long as there was one other one like that that would get me to do it. So David Fincher is not enough. You need two no. things. No, it's not. Yeah, I need two things. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's let's move on to uh, a story that broke earlier in this week. We haven't covered it yet, and uh, that revolves around Gotti. We talked about how Gotti has earned the very rare 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, and the distributors of that film are are marketing the fact that critics hate the film, but fans love the film, according to the Rotten Tomatoes user rate reviews. Brad, what is going on behind these shady user ratings? Oh, boy, yeah. I mean, we've seen some marketing try to position a movie where, you know, do audiences agree with the critics? Find out for yourself. Rig-a-dig-a-dig. Uh, <laughs> but, but this is something that's completely different. This In this case... The the marketing department behind Gotti is really just going full tilt and saying the critics have put out a hit on Gotti and they don't want anybody to see it. It's just the most insane thing. And so they're trying to point out that audiences are apparently loving Gotti because while the critic score on Rotten Tomatoes is 0%, the audience score is apparently at 74%, or at least it was at the time of our writing this article. However... Uh, Dan Mural over at Screen Junkies did some digging around and they noticed that the user reviews that have brought about that score on Rotten Tomatoes from audiences doesn't really make much uh, sense. It's pretty shady. Uh, he, sa- he says, uh, I went to look at the written reviews on Rotten Tomatoes and of the first 58 reviewers with an available profile, 45 had created their account in June of 2018. That's the month we're currently in. Out of these 45, 32 have only reviewed Gotti, 10 reviewed Gotti and another movie, and seven of those times it was American Animals for some reason, uh, which just so happens you know, to be a, a movie pass movie, and three of them had more than three reviews. Of the remaining 13 accounts, eight looked normal, five had created their account in December, uh, and those, so those seemed like they were probably legit. So most of these accounts that are giving Gotti uh, good reviews seem like they are merely plants uh, trying to boost the audience score to create this disparity between critics and audiences. You, you mentioned a connection with MoviePass. Oh, yeah. That's because uh, MoviePass just so happens uh, to ha- have uh, acquired Gotti and American Animals. So, you know, not really trying to throw out any accusations here. No, wait. Yes, I am. MoviePass is trying to create... <laughs> Uh, well, uh, an, a, a disagreement that doesn't exist while trying to promote a movie that nobody needs to see. Well, we don't know that MoviePass is paying for users or bots to write these reviews, but it does appear to be very uh, not so coincidental that a lot of Peter, people writing the reviews for Gaudi are writing it for that other movie as well. 
I don't know what you guys are talking about. Uh, Gotti is great. It's a fantastic film, and my check just cleared. <laughs> we, we were almost trying to convince uh, Chris to go see Gotti in theaters to review it. I, I kind of want to see it. I'm not going to lie. Just for that, like, you know, that, that train wreck angle, I, I'm so curious to see if this really is, is as bad as everyone says it is, but I don't know if I'd go to a theater for it. But also, if you didn't hate it and you gave it a good review, you could be a reverse Armand White and you could, uh, you know, be the one review on Rotten Tomatoes that ruins the 0% streak. That's true. Maybe I should do it. I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, I doubt there's a, a, a reality where you're going to like this movie. Uh, not that I've seen it, but from what I've heard. Um, but anyways, this, this is a long lead in to uh, a big story that broke uh, this morning. It was an exclusive on the site. Uh, I was working on it all, um, yesterday night, and that is that AMC Theaters has finally announced that they are doing their own subscription service that will compete directly with MoviePass. I, I think this is... Uh, a very important topic to talk, uh, talk about, and I, I have a couple of things to go over with you guys, but the gist of it is they are announcing this service, which is called AMC Premier A-List, which will run nineteen ninety nine a month, so 20 bucks a month, and it'll allow subscribers to see three movies a week at AMC theaters, uh, no restrictions as in terms of uh, formats. You can see an IMAX movie, you can see a Prime movie, you can see uh, Adobe, uh, 3D, you know, all these things that are not allowed allowed by movie pass uh you can actually see multiple movies per day they just need to be within uh more than two hours apart from each other so basically you can't see like get two tickets to one movie uh and um along with that you're also getting um discounts on concessions uh and a bunch of other stuff uh and oh the, the the biggest thing for this for me at least in LA is movie pass is such a pain because you have to show up at the theater check in and buy your tickets there with this you will actually be able to buy tickets in advance online and reserve your seats um, which it would be a huge help to s someone like me uh, so I wanted to hear what you guys think of this Brad I know um, you are kind of a fan of AMC theaters I'm not sure <laughs> Uh, you've, you've talked about it qu quite in the past that they are kind of the McDonald's of movie theaters, but you, you do see all your movies there. Is a service like this that is twice the cost of MoviePass going to get you to subscribe? Well, first of all, let me say I wouldn't call myself a fan of AMC theaters. The only reason that I frequent them as much as I do is because their theater happens to be the one that is the closest to my house and is the easiest to access. Uh, I have frequently had problems with them not running their theater uh, in a way that would be indicative of a quality establishment. It's become very frustrating from time to time, especially when it comes to the quality of the projection and the screen and other numerous issues. Um, however, I will say that this subscription deal seems like a pretty damn good one, especially considering how widespread AMC Theaters is and how many movies you're getting for a price that, even though it's double movie pass, uh, it still has some perks that outdo... Uh, movie pass in that way like you mentioned you know ha having access to all the you know more premiere screenings 3d imax d box all that sort of thing is definitely a bonus and the the amc premiere subscription is included so you get discounts on your concessions so it's it's definitely a good deal in that regard and i'm, I, I'm honestly probably thinking about picking it up i don't know if it'll necessarily abandon movie pass because i'll still get my money's worth out of movie pass whenever i need to go to 
uh, a theater that isn't an AMC one because sometimes they just don't get some of the indie titles uh, at the theaters that are closest to me, and I have to venture a little bit out of where I usually go. But, yeah, for most moviegoers, I see this as uh, a pretty good deal and something that a lot of them, if they're not already on MoviePass, uh, are probably going to take advantage of. Ben, is this a MoviePass killer? I don't know about a killer, but I think it's it's definitely, it, it seems more sustainable than MoviePass. You know, we've talked a lot about their sort of volatile business plans, and they've really been sort of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks, like acquiring different movies and, and you know, uh, different production companies and stuff. I think they recently picked up Emmett, Emmett Furla Films. Uh, they have a big partnership with them. So it, it's like uh, MoviePass is doing everything they can to stay above water, and we know that AMC is going to be around for a long time. So I don't have any uh, I don't think this is going to be something that's going to you know disappear, whereas I definitely could not say that about MoviePass. Like, who knows if they're even going to be around in a year? It's also weird, though, you know, when MoviePass introduced their 999 subscription service, AMC kind of or the head of AMC kind of came out and said that that would be devaluing cinema for the masses. Um, I'm, I'm kind of wondering their plan is only double that price. It's not like it's you know, that much more money. Uh, I don't understand how their plan is going to be that much more financially feasible. Um, I don't know the answer to that, but I think it's it's got to have something to do with them not wanting to share any of the profits with MoviePass. And, and you know, if MoviePass has done one thing for AMC, it's the fact that it's gotten people to physically go out and go to the theater more. And that's a good thing for AMC, especially in this case. Now they're trying to just now that they've gotten MoviePass to do the work of changing people's behavior, uh, they're just going to sort of brush them to the side, cut out the middleman. And be able to, you know, rake in the profits that they need from concessions and, and hold in all of that stuff on their own without having to share it with anyone. So I think they're, yeah, they, they may have made a lot of noise about how the business model of subscription stuff is, you know, is not great or whatever because it was at such a low price point. But I think uh, this seems like a good balance um, for, you know, a, a huge corporation like that to strike. And it seems like a pretty fair, uh, reasonable rate and you get a lot of good stuff out of it. So, I mean, I, I would definitely subscribe to this if I didn't see most of my movies uh, through, you know, press screenings and stuff. Yeah. Uh, MoviePass on Twitter responded to this announcement. They said that they heard AMC theaters jumped on board the MoviePass or the, the movie subscription train twice the price for one fourth the theater network and 60 percent fewer movies. Thanks for making us look good, AMC. I thought that was funny. Uh, Chris, is this a I, I know you're not, I want to say, a fan of the theatrical experience. You'd rather see all the stuff in your own home. But it yes, is correct. Is this something that uh, would interest you in any way? I don't think so. I, I mean, you know, like everyone else has said already, it, it does sound more sustainable than what MoviePass is doing. But. I never got a movie pass subscriptions because, you know, one, I didn't really need it because of press screenings. And two, I don't, you know, I don't know. It just, it never really stood out to me as, as a big deal. And this, you know, this is, as we mentioned, more expensive than movie pass. So I don't, I don't know. It just doesn't seem, it does not jump out at me. But if I was someone who didn't go to press screenings and who went to the movies every single week on my you know on my own and was paying for it then maybe it would appeal to me but as it is now it doesn't sound that great to me so also Peter, i don't like 
I also don't uh, like AMC theaters. So I don't... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Peter, let me ask you the the one thing that seems more attractive to me is that uh, I don't know. Like MoviePass is pretty clear about the fact that they're taking and mining everybody's data and they're going to be selling that. Like that's a big part of their business plan. And AMC doesn't have anything like that listed in their, uh, you know, at least in their press releases or anything like that. Do you think that there's a data mining element to this uh, new service? Huh. That's a, that's a good question. I, I don't know if there's that incentive there at all. I mean, obviously with their stubs programming, they were, are tracking users behavior, but I don't think it's in a way of selling it to other companies, kind of like what MoviePass was doing. Um, I, I will tell you this, that there are a lot of things appealing about A-List to me. Um, like I said, being able to purchase tickets ahead of time is like a game changer. That's something that I really hate about MoviePass. Um, the, the, the fact that uh, you could see multiple movies in a day, that's something I love doing in the summertime and also in award season is going to the movie theater on like a weekend and like seeing like, back-to-back movies i used to see like you know three or four movies back-to-back some days uh and you can't obviously do that with movie pass and movie pass has changed my behavior in that way uh i do have some disadvantages i wanted to share with you guys and see what you guys thought about um yes amc for the most part i think are kind of like fast food cinema you sit through a lot of commercials. There's more trailers. The presentation isn't great. Their food program has gotten better. There are some cinemas in the AMC line, like the AMC Century City near me, that are better than normal AMCs. My worry is if I were to subscribe to this and get rid of my movie pass, that that would limit my ability to see independent films. Uh, I know AMC theaters do have independent films in a lot of uh, in some of their uh, theaters, but in especially in the larger markets like L.A. But um, there's a lot of show, a lot of films that are not playing at the AMC theaters that are available at like Landmark and other cinemas that are available at MoviePass. So if I had this, maybe this pass might persuade me not to go and pay to see an independent film I might be interested in. Like mm-hmm. uh, that that Mister Rogers documentary that uh, Chris talked about the other day. This is the thing I wanted to bring up that I wanted to get all of your opinions on is MoviePass has millions of subscribers. If this program also gets millions of subscribers and millions of people are now because it's not free, but like you know you know how we treat Netflix like if it's on Netflix is free. We're paying for Netflix, but like. To us, it feels like it's free. Now, I think people are going to feel like that with movies. So every weekend, I feel like the big movies are going to be sold out well in advance. Uh, All the premium format cinema uh, experiences like Dolby, Prime, uh, IMAX, those those, uh, experiences are probably going to get sold out well more in advance because people are booking them in advance with, with this because it doesn't cost you anything more than that 1999 a month so could could this plan kind of ruin amc amc for uh the vast majority of us i hadn't even thought of that but (laughs) i think i think it could actually now that i'm hearing it out loud that does sound like it could happen and that's another reason for me to stay home so (laughs) (laughs) yeah it, it, it hearing you put it that way peter makes me think that like um you know, I, I sort of will 
treat a lot of things on Netflix as disposable because of that sort of mentality that like, oh, yeah, this is essentially free. So like I'll start something and just sort of like not really pay much attention to it uh, occasionally or just like turn it off after a few minutes if it's not really if I'm not really into it. And I wonder, you know, because people are generally I mean, there are some good people in the world, but for the most part, the people who uh, frequent movie theaters, especially like on opening weekend, are loud and obnoxious and always on their phones and talking and whatever. And if you have that mentality of like, oh, yeah, it doesn't even really matter. Like, I'm not. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I'm not even paying for this, really. It's just like whatever. Then that behavior could conceivably get way worse. So I don't know that this could be uh, this could be terrible. Wow. That didn't even occur to me that the, you know, the behavior in the movie theaters might go down because of the the value equation. I was just thinking it's going to be harder for me to see a movie in Prime or IMAX. Uh, Brad, do you have any concerns over this? Um, I mean, as it stands, because of where I live over here in northwest Indiana, I don't encounter too many terrible people. Like, I've had a couple bad experiences with people who can't stay off their phones or won't shut up. But most of the time, uh, unless I'm going to see like a new Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie on opening night at the IMAX theater, I'm not sitting in like a packed theater where it's, you know, loud, rude audiences all around. So, but that, that is definitely a concern as to whether people are going to start treating movie tickets like they're more disposable and acting like even more entitled than they already do. That's uh, That's an intriguing point to make. And I hope that, People are just too stupid to realize it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that and I just wonder what's going to happen to the supply and demand because, you know, usually with these AMC theaters, there's only one like, you know, premium cinema, like either a Prime or an IMAX. And I feel like that's just going to get booked so far in advance for like uh, not not even like a Marvel movie, but just like, you know, Skyscraper. Or, you know, Gotti, Gotti and IMAX. <laughs> uh, yeah, if Gotti was in IMAX. Um, <laughs> but um, also one, one last thing I wanted to bring up uh, is like one of the things that always made me feel bad about the MoviePass deal. I am a MoviePass subscriber, uh, but MoviePass is kind of like the worst company. Uh, they just seem like bad people. Um, the, the the motivations just all, all around it just seem bad. Like it seems like. But it seems like it's one of those propositions, kind of like uh, Walmart, where they offer such a great deal that I don't mind doing business with the devil. So um, what I'm wondering here is, is AMC any better? Like, is uh, I mean, we've talked about the quality equation with AMC, but like, you know, their customer service is pretty bad as well. Like, is, is, it, uh, is this a step up in, in quality of companies? I mean, they probably definitely have their shit more together than MoviePass because it seems like every month MoviePass does something else that makes people wonder, like, what's going on over there. And, you know, uh, you know, while AMC isn't the best theater chain, I'm sure they actually have people who know what they're doing, at least more so than MoviePass. So they seem like they have a more clear goal than MoviePass, who are constantly changing whatever they want to be. And MoviePass keeps on changing the rules, which I think is pissing a lot, uh, pissing off a lot of their longtime subscribers. You know, on what movies they can see, how many times they can see them, where, how they can, like, it just seems to be always in flux. And uh, this AMC deal, at least the way it's being outlined right now, seems a lot more clearer and a lot more fairer. Um, but I, I wonder. Now that there's both of these deals on the table and there's competition, there's real competition, 
Uh, could that actually make MoviePass better? Brad, any thoughts? Um, I don't know. I mean, it seems like they're being pretty cocky and they're not worried about AMC starting their own subscription service. But maybe when they see what AMC is offering and if people start flocking and signing up for that service, it might give them some other ideas on how to improve and maybe uh, do things better than what AMC already does. But considering they already had an opportunity to do that and they've kind of dropped the ball at various points, both with their customer service and with delivering the product they said they were going to deliver when they first started their new lower price subscription, uh, I can't imagine it's really going to do much to make them better as a company unless it, it gets to a point where they're starting to go under. Um, we'll be following the story as the official, the quote unquote official podcast of Movie Pass, which we are not. Um, <laughs> we, we we are always interested in this because I, I I do think as much as we do talk about this, I think this is going to be a big part of the evolution of movie theaters in the next few years and and how things are done and what movies we see. It's, it's going to have a huge effect. This isn't just like you know some deal at a, at your local movie theater. This is going to change this industry and uh you know the medium of our our choice or maybe not chris's choice but the theatrical viewing uh experience um but i think we've gone overboard on this topic uh so we'll end it right here uh slash film daily is published every weekday on itunes google play Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns to peter at slashfilm.com. Uh, you can find all the stories we've talked about today on the site and in the show notes. And please go write and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you tomorrow.